steps a day in faith. Amen. Because there's no book, chapter, and verse says, thou shalt walk X number of steps a day, is there? So there's no, no faith in that. So, um, so I'm not saying don't walk. I'm not saying do walk. I'm saying whatever you do, do it in faith. Amen. Uh, and so why don't we pray and we'll get into the word today. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God, for blessing us, Father, with good words to, to read, Father, words that give us faith. Father, we choose to, to approach your word humbly, Father, as servants of the Most High God, to read your word as you gave it to us, to not second guess it, Father, not to misinterpret it, Father, to, but as you said in your word, to rightly divide the word of truth, Father. So, Father, we will rightly divide your word according to the leading of your spirit. We come to you, uh, to your word with an open heart, Father, and a receptive mind. And we thank you, Father, that you'll fill us with the revelation knowledge of your word. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's open up our Bibles to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. We'll continue there today. We're in kind of the middle of, of uh, the armor of God. And um, whose responsibility is it to put on the whole armor of God? It's ours, amen. And uh, uh, how strong and capable is the armor of God? It's pretty strong and pretty capable, right? Uh, and will it ever fail you in the midst of a battle? So if you have the strongest armor that there is, uh, then how concerned are you about any battles? I mean, there shouldn't really be much of a concern, right? Because if, if you've got a, a nuclear uh, war, uh, if you've got a nuclear weapon and the, the enemy's got a stick, uh, are you concerned at all? Just show them the red button. Just, you don't have to do anything, just red button. That's all you got to show them, right? Uh, just show up. Uh, and, you know, many times in the Old Testament, uh, the Lord would always require the nation of Israel to go to battle. You have to go. But uh, as often as not, when they would go, they just they didn't have to do anything. Sometimes the enemy would turn on themselves. Sometimes the Lord would, would uh, uh, do something and the, the, uh, uh, nobody in the nation of Israel would be harmed. Now, Joshua, uh, uh, most of his wars were fought that way. Were very few, if any, uh, people from Israel died. In fact, the first person that died died. Uh, uh, Joshua stopped the whole thing. He said, this isn't right, Lord. We're not, nobody's supposed to die. That was his, that was his, uh, that was his expectation. And our expectation is, well, we should never fail. Uh, and if we do fail, we should just do like Joshua did and stop. Say, well, Lord, Lord, what's up? Because this, this armor doesn't fail. Your word doesn't fail. Uh, your power doesn't fail. So what's the issue? Uh, you know, for Joshua, it was sin in the camp. But it may not necessarily be sin. It could be, you know, you didn't apply faith right or, you know, you were just um, maybe nonchalant about it or, or, or just hoped that it would work out without actually using your faith. You know, it could be a lot of reasons for it. We're not going to be anybody's judge in that. But what you can know is that if something fails, it's never on God's side. If you'll start with that, with that uh, true statement, then you'll always be okay that if something does fail, then you know where to go to look at, right? You go home. Uh, you, you don't pull out the little compact mirror in your, in your purse. You go to the full-length mirror in your room, and, and you get the biggest mirror you can find and say, Lord, now where's the problem? And then usually he'll show you if, if, uh, if, if you're really serious about finding the answer to that. Uh, but to me, that's good news because if I know that the armor of God can never fail, then the battle is not the issue. Uh, and, and a lot of Christians are like, oh, it's such a battle. You, know, you just don't know the kind of battles I'm going through. You just don't know, you know I'm battling, fighting every day. And, uh, I thought you had a big red button and the other guy's got a stick. So, I mean, how big of a battle is that really, right? Uh, and so uh, it, it's, uh, uh, and I'm not trying to, to diminish the realities of the difficulties that we go through in life, but so many times the, the difficulties we go through, we elevate them to be far greater than the power of God and his armor that he's given to us. And, you know, there may, be big, there may be big devils that you're fighting. There may be big problems that you're fighting. But big is relative to, to, you know, whatever the circumstance is. But if you measure that bigness of the enemy compared to the power of God and his armor, then there's really no competition because what the Ephesians chapter 1 said that Jesus is sitting far above all principality, power, and might, dominion. Far above. So and in chapter 2, verse 6, that we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So if we're seated uh, with Christ Jesus and he's far above all principalities and powers, then where are we? Then we're also seated far above all principalities, powers, and might and dominion. Yeah. 
So if we're seated far above all principalities, power, might, and dominion, how big do, do any of those problems really look? I mean, if, if you, uh, I mean, I think most of you all been on an airplane. Maybe some of you haven't, but if you've ever been on an airplane, you know, a commercial jetliner flies about 35,000 feet, which is about seven miles over the ground. At seven miles above the ground, everything looks small. And if you're seated far above uh, all of your problems, then how big do any of them look? They all look pretty small, right? So, uh, again, that doesn't take away from the fact that those are real problems. But if you can see them in light of faith, see them in light of uh, there's this mountain in front of me, but I have the name of Jesus. I have the armor of God. Uh, there's no way that this mountain can slow me down. There's no way this mountain can stop me. There's no way this mountain can defeat me. So how concerned are you about the mountain? See, that should be the attitude of, of the, the faith Christian is that uh, I will have uh, many afflictions. The Bible says that many are the afflictions of the righteous. So we're not, well, you know, we're not uh, saying a bad confession. Oh, you know, you're going to have many afflictions. I, I'm not saying that. The Bible said that I will have many afflictions. Uh, and so many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers us out of, out of how many of them? All of them. So we, we need to get our minds renewed that, yes, there is a battle. Yes, we will have many afflictions in this life. Yes, we can't escape that until we get to heaven and until the last enemy is defeated. And the, last, the very last enemy that's going to be defeated will be death, right? Everything else will, is in line in order of, of uh, uh, being removed by the Lord. And he put death as the very last enemy. That'll be the last enemy to be removed from, uh, from the universe. And then at that point, we will have no enemies. And so that'll be nice when we get there. But we're not there now. When, between now and then, there is a battle to fight because the war is on in the earth to, uh, to take as many people out of the earth and send them to hell uh, that the enemy can. And our job is to, uh, is to take them out of hell and get them into the kingdom of heaven. That's really the only the primary warfare that we've got. And so the devil will array himself against people of the world to, to make sure that they never hear the gospel, to try to make sure that they, they don't uh, hear the good news of the Lord. And he will come against you as a church to resist you and your ability to go and take the, the good news to people. Uh, but if you're not in faith, you're no real threat to the enemy. So, he, you know, he may not uh, take any time to bother you. Well, the devil never bothers me. I want to check up on if you're doing anything at all. You know, <laughs> I mean, if you're sitting at home and doing nothing uh, at all for the Lord, then there's nothing for the enemy to attack you with. Right now, some people would actually prefer that. Some people would rather do nothing and not be attacked than to be in faith and to be uh, and to be attacked by the enemy. And when I say attacked, it's it's an attack that will be defeated. Right. It's not an attack that will be successful. So if you've got the high armored walls uh, of the faith of God and the enemy comes and tries to attack you with a wall there and maybe he's throwing sticks and maybe he's throwing uh, you know uh, flames and different things but you've got a high uh, a high armored wall would you really even notice it well, I mean unless you were standing over the wall and looking down at far above the enemies you may not even notice it you know you may have to deal with you know cleaning up and polishing up your walls every now and then right uh, the the uh, proverb says that the name of the Lord is, is a high tower. Uh, you know, we're, we're far above. Amen. So uh, really, for the Christian, if we can get our minds renewed that it doesn't matter what's in our life right now. It doesn't matter how big of opposition we have in our life. We have complete and total victory in every aspect of our life. We have access to that victory. Whether we choose to live in it or not is our choice, of course, because he said put on the whole armor of God, which implies that you have the right, the privilege, the the choice to not put it on and uh, why we wouldn't do that. I don't know. Sometimes, you know, it's more of a uh, of a sin of omission in a sense that, well, I just didn't think about it. You know, I, you know, I just that armor stuff, you know, I don't know. It just it's just not really for me. And, uh, you know, sometimes we get maybe lazy in our minds and, and, and don't uh, stay on guard of things. And, you know, there may be a lot of reasons for that. And and so, like I said, I'm not anybody's judge. Uh, but what I do know is that if we take the word of God the way that it's written, then clearly we have the ability to live a life completely uh, without defeat all the days of our life. Uh, and that would include in sickness and disease and poverty and in spiritual attacks, uh, words that are against you, right? Uh, you ever had people say things against you? 
uh, people will say things against you. And so that's where we got to here in Ephesians 6.16, where it says, above all, most importantly, take the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. So uh, if you could quench all the fiery darts, and those fiery darts can be words, they can be temptations, but they're attacks against you to keep you from accomplishing God's will on this earth. Uh, if you could quench all of them, then uh, how many issues would you really have? Well, you, you really wouldn't have any. You know, I mean, sometimes people say, well, you don't know what they said to me, you know, and it's as real to them. And you find out, well, when did they say that? Well, you know, they checked their calendar. Well, it was six years ago tomorrow. Well, that's that flaming uh, missile is still on fire in your life. And yet the Bible says that the that the shield of faith is able to quench all the fiery darts. So if that if that hurt or that attack is still as real to you today as when it was first initiated, then the issue is faith. The issue is that you haven't picked up the shield of faith, because if it's still real and burning in your life, then you never quenched it by faith. Um, And so. You know, when somebody says, well, you know, look at you, you know, you're, you know, you're one of those faith people and they try to run you down. And, you know, faith says I'm a child of the living God. Um, God loves me. Uh, he died for me. Uh, I, I am accepted in the beloved. And you let that you let that fire dart go right on by. It just gets quenched and uh, it either falls to the ground or just goes right on by. Uh, but a lot of times people will say, oh, you know, you're one of those faith people and, you know, you believe in all that hokey pokey faith stuff and. Uh, and, and sometimes those are words that are said by other Christians, right? Uh, and, and so, but sometimes you go, oh, you know, maybe they're right. You know, I, I, I need to just, just become a good, you know, denominational Christian and don't really believe all that weird, you know, way out far stuff that I'm, I'm, a, uh, uh, I'm an undefeatable Christian. You know, I mean, we all have real things that come in our life and, you know, you, just, you win some, you lose some. That's just the way it is. And, and so what are you doing? You're laying aside your shield of faith. Uh, and so, uh, you know, you, you've got to decide that I can live this way. And, and then the next step is I will live this way. I will live in such a way that all the fiery darts are quenched in my life. Uh, and, and, you know, you really can live that way. Uh, and so we went through several examples, uh, flaming projectiles, anything that the devil throws at you, ignited darts. So a lot of different ways that that was uh, uh, described at, for fiery darts. But I just I like that particular verse because it says uh, you're able to quench all of the fiery darts. So there's no exceptions of what the armor of God is capable of doing. Uh, it's capable of doing that. So the question for you is, are you capable of believing that? Uh, well, you, uh, and if you're saying, well, you win some, you lose some, then you're not capable of believing in the power of the armor of God that God has given to you. Your, your belief in that is limited, and so the ability for it to do its job is going to be limited in your life. It's only going to be as effective in your life as your faith allows it to be. So if your faith is, is you know, kind of wishy-washy, well, you know, you some, sometimes you just, you just can't help, you know, getting hurt sometimes. Doesn't that sound like things people say, right? Sometimes you just can't help it. That sounds, you know, sounds like what, you know, people say. It's 100% not true, but it's what people say, right? It's not it's not biblical. It's, you know, people say that, but uh, it's as true as you allow it to be. Amen. Uh, and so, you know, like I said, for me personally, I just in my own faith, just on a regular basis, I say nobody's ever done anything to me. Well, what am I doing? I, I'm saying that as far as my shield of faith is concerned, it has quenched every fiery dart that's ever come my way so that there's no harm that ever comes to me. I can't control that people will say those things. But as far as I'm concerned, I'm going to live as if nobody's ever done anything to me because those fiery darts can't get past the shield of faith. Uh, does that mean nobody's ever said anything to me? No, a lot of people say things about me. And I'm sure that a lot of people say things about you too. Sometimes they say them about you to your face. Sometimes they say them about you on Facebook, right? <laughs> and so, uh, you know, it, it doesn't really matter where, where it's coming. But um, uh, if you believe this, then, uh, then you can live as if nobody's ever done anything to you. Amen. Uh, and so that's and that's it's it's confessions like that that keeps you uh, keeps your shield of faith nice and polished, nice and ready, uh, nice and light. Uh, and um, uh, and so uh, it's it just I would encourage you to live that way. I would encourage you to uh, even if you're not there, have the hope and the vision that, Lord, 
according to your word, I can be that way. Maybe I'm not that way today, but I can be that way. So let's move in that direction. Let's let's get to that uh, resu- uh, that place. Uh, and, you know, there's been times when the Lord has revealed to me uh, just about his word, some particular verse, and I'll be reading the verse and the Lord will just show me. Not, not in, you know, sometimes he'll speak to you, but sometimes you just see it by revelation. You see that the word of God says I could be here, but, you know, I'm way down here. And when I see that, I always stop and just say, well, Lord, how are we going to get how are we going to get to where we need to be? Because I never say, how am I going to get there? Because it's not on me. It's by his grace that will get me there. So I always include him in on it. Lord, how are we going to get there? Uh, uh, what what do we need to do to get from where I am to where I need to be? And, uh, you know, don't ask that question unless you want an answer, because he'll tell you, well, it's because of this, 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 you know, uh, and then I always bad things. But, um, you know, he'll tell you, well, you need to do this more. You need to do that more. You need to give up that thing, that long held grudge you've had against so-and-so or that, that those words that you've said against so-and-so. Um, you know, he may tell you a lot of different things, a lot of uh, specific things for your life, but be willing to change whatever he says. Amen. That if you're willing to change, then then he will help you get to where you can live a life of complete and total victory. So if your shield of faith is there and it's doing its job, then we come down to uh, verse 17 where it says, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so let's turn over to First uh, Thessalonians uh, chapter five. We'll see what he says about the the, uh, the helmet there. So in First Thessalonians chapter five, he says in verse eight. He said, but but let us who are of the day be sober. Uh, you can stop right there and talk a long time about that. That's not talking necessarily about lack of alcoholic consumption, although that is part of it. But usually the, the biggest part is being sober in your mind. Uh, and, you know, have you ever talked to somebody and you're trying to, to tell them something and they just can't hear you? You say, well, you know, uh, faith always works. doesn't work for me. See, that's somebody who's drunk in their mind because I didn't write that faith always works. The Bible says that faith always works, right? So, yeah, but you can, you can take the shield of faith and, well, you just don't know what they did to me. Yeah, but the shield of faith can overcome that. Well, it, it's too big of a hurt. See, it's somebody who's not sober. You can't have a conversation with them. You can't get, you can't get them to hear what the word of God says. Uh, and, uh, you know, the Bible says that you can be totally healed. Well, not me. You know, my mom's sick. My dad's sick. Everybody in my family's always been sick. It, we've come from a long, long, long generations of people that are sick. So it's just not going to work for me. Yeah, but the Bible says it would. Yeah, but it won't work for me. See, that's somebody who's not sober, that, that you can't have a conversation with them, right? Uh, and so usually when the, when the Bible talks about being sober, uh, sometimes the context is uh, talking about your alcoholic consumption, but, but many times it's talking about how clear-minded are you? Because, you know, when you get drunk, your, your brain gets fuzzy, right? Uh, I, I wouldn't know. I've never actually been drunk, you know. That doesn't make me diminished or anything, but, you know, in some people's minds it thinks, well, you know, you, you don't know what it's like to be out there in the real world, but... That's okay. Neither did Jesus, you know, so I think I'm in good company. I think he did. He make uh, make it okay by himself like that without experiencing the uh, sin of the world. I think he did. Okay. Amen. Uh, And so, you know, you don't have to commit sin to to uh, 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 to be able to help people. Amen. You know, uh, some people are of the opinion that the only people that they can help are people that have experienced the same difficulties that that they've experienced. Uh, And, you know, I know people that. Maybe they were in an abusive marriage, so now they can only help people that came from abusive marriages, right? Maybe they were abused as a child, but now they can only help people that were abused by children. Maybe they were drug addicts, and now they can only help drug addicts. And the problem with that mentality a lot of times is the person stays in their past. That's not always the case, but a lot of times all they can do is relive their past and thinking that, that their experience is what's going to help somebody else. But your experience is not what people need. Your faith is what people need. And so if that's the case that only somebody who's been harmed in a certain way can only help other people that have been harmed in that way, then poor old Jesus was of no value to anyone because he, he, he was never drunk. There was never a drug addict. There was never, you know, a murderer or a thief or a robber. He never committed any sins. So there, then there's no way he could help anybody. Is that true? Well, that's not true. So don't ever feel like, well, you know, I mean, uh, I, I've I've never been drunk personally, and so does that mean I can't help people that, that are addicted to alcohol? No, not 
100%, I can help anybody addicted to alcohol because I know what the Word says. And the Word's the answer anyway. It's not my past. My experience is not, uh, is not your uh, help. It's my faith that's your help. And, and a lot of times, people will only go hear people that have had the same life experiences they've had. So, you know, drug addicts may only go to, to an ex-drug addict. Uh, and again, why is that, why is a natural event what you're looking to emulate? Uh, you need to emulate people's faith. Uh, and to me, you know, personally, I'd rather find somebody who's just never failed and been successful all their life and to find out how they did that and live that way, even if, even if you know, my path may have been through a lot of failures, but I'd rather find somebody who's, always been successful you know someone who's been successful and failed and been successful again maybe failed and been successful i mean you know i'm not trying to diminish somebody but that's not you know i'm already there i mean you know, so why do i want to be like that i mean and so uh, you do whatever you want to of course and and be led by the spirit of god but i'm not looking to see what somebody's past is to determine if someone like that can help me i'm looking at where they are today and what their faith is today and seeing, can that help me in, in my life? And so don't fall for the trap that you've got to find somebody of equal life experiences in order to be helped. That's not Bible because then, then none of us could be helped by the Lord Jesus at all. Uh, and so, uh, uh, and you know, uh, basically all of your life experiences, what did Paul say? He, he talked about all these things. He says, I count them, but what? But dung, remember he called that, right? In Philippians chapter 3, I count all these things that he did, right? Hebrew of the Hebrews, Pharisee of the Pharisees, right? The tribe of Benjamin. He said, I count these things but dung. In other words, he's saying, my life experiences, my being a Pharisee is not what's going to help you. My being a, a, a outstanding member of the tribe of Benjamin is not what's going to help you. My faith in God is what's going to help you. So, uh, you know, I'm just a little concerned when I see people that their life experiences are the only way that it can assist other people. Uh, and, you know, for me, I would just, I, I, I would try to resist that from the standpoint of, of don't fall into that trap because then you put yourself in a box and you're saying, I can only help these kinds of people. So once they get better, once you've helped them, then you can never be a help to them beyond that level. Uh, well, then, then what's the point, right? Uh, you need to be able to help anybody that the Lord puts in front of you. And your, your faith is what people need, not your past. Amen. Uh, and so, so he said, uh, be sober. Uh, so being sober means you have the ability to hear clearly, primarily what the word of God says. Amen. And you have to have the ability to have an intelligent conversation with somebody. Uh, and uh, you ever tried to have an, an intelligent conversation with a drunk person? not going to happen right you know of course you know my mother was an alcoholic until the day she died and and um uh and she was generally she was like a weekend alcoholic uh for many years before until my dad died and then once my dad died then she was like a full-time alcoholic every day you know and she would drink uh pepsi cola and um uh seagram seven whiskey that's the name of whiskey right seagram seven is that right anybody uh you know i'm not going to judge you if you say yes you know oh you mean you know that how would you know that right uh, and so, uh, but I think that's what it was. It was Pepsi, so not Coca-Cola, uh, and it wasn't uh, beer or wine. It was uh, high alcohol content whiskey, right? Uh, and, um, you know, I got to where I could smell it, you know. And, I mean, even now, today, my mom's been gone for like 40 years. Uh, I can still smell alcohol, you know, 100 feet away just because I can smell that. It's just, you know, it has such a distinct smell, and, and uh, smell is one of the strongest memories that you have. Uh, but I had lots of conversations with her as uh, she'd be drunk, you know, because she, she would start early in the morning. She'd get up, she had her chair. She read a thousand Harlequin romance books, you know, when she died. I mean, we, we got rid of boxes and boxes and boxes. Of these. She, so she lived in this fantasy world of these books, you know, uh, and uh, that was her escape. That and alcohol was her escape. Uh, and she would sit in that chair, read those books and get drunk uh, throughout the day. And I knew where all of her stash, stash was. She'd hide them behind the stereo. She'd put the, you know, the Pepsi was in the refrigerator, but the uh, whiskey was usually behind the stereo somewhere. And, um, uh, but trying to have conversations with her w was just impossible because you, you couldn't get through her, her, her mind that was no longer sober. 
but I've had just as much difficulty with non-alcoholics trying to talk to someone who is not sober in their mind. You can't get the point across. You know, you just, uh, and it's really frustrating on my part because when I see things, it's just really simple, right? Well, I mean, this plan of salvation, isn't it the simplest thing in the world? God loves you. He wants you to be in heaven with him forever. How is that difficult to accept, you know? And then, you, well, you know, and they tell all these things like, oh, well, you're drunk. So there's no way I'm going to be able to help you until you, you sober up some. Now, this was written to the church, right? And when he said, be sober, who did you write that to? Or to the church, right? So for you, you know, you may say, well, I'm not an alcoholic. I don't even drink alcohol, which is good. But that's not really what it's talking about in the context of this verse. It's are you sober minded? Do you have the ability to have an intelligent conversation with somebody? See, I could have a conversation with anybody about any topic. I mean, if somebody's a sinner, I could talk to them about, you know, the Lord. And I'm not going to talk about, you know, uh, glorify their sin. But, you know, if somebody has different opinions than me, if somebody doesn't believe in healing, if somebody doesn't believe in prosperity or believe in faith, uh, even as a Christian, I could have a conversation with them. But I don't know if they could have a conversation with me because they'd be so fixated on, well, this is the way it is. Uh, and um, we had our, our faith school today, and we, we were talking about the authority of the believer, and the authority of the believer is wrapped up in the name of Jesus, right? It's not wrapped up in anything else. It's wrapped up in the name of Jesus, only in the name of Jesus. Uh, and so we talked a little bit about how uh, it's not wrapped up in the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus has its purpose, you know, washed away all our sins, but... And you all know this. We've talked to, taught this around here many times. But it was new information uh, for the folks today, you know. And, uh, and so many of them are from Africa. Uh, they're living over in Ireland. Uh, and, um, you know, they, in fact, one of them said, well, we were always raised that you plead the blood, you plead the blood. You know, use everything, all, all the above when you're dealing with uh, things that need authority. So you sling a little bit of the blood of Jesus at them. You sling a little bit of the name of Jesus at them. You sling a little bit of putting the Bible on them. You sling a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Uh, and so you just try to sling everything out and hope that something works, right? Uh, and, uh, but uh, even though some of them, it was new information, uh, I've got to commend them all because they were able to hear it with a sober mind because we said, what does the Word of God say? There's no Bible that says that you, you use the uh, concept of pleading the blood. There's no Bible verse to say, plead the blood to cast out a devil. And yet, how many Christians believe that? And so I said, you know, we have to limit ourselves to only what the Word of God says. We can't add to it and say, well, you use the name of Jesus and you plead the blood. Because now you're adding to the Word of God. The Word of God doesn't say that. So you should be able to have that conversation with a sober-minded person, and they receive it. And they were all actually very receptive to it. You know, for some of them, it, it, it was new information. They've never heard that, that before. Uh, but they received it well. Uh, and so they're to, to, they're to be commended because that's what the word of God says. Amen. Right. Uh, Peter said in, in Acts 316 that it, it was his name through faith in his name that made this man whole. So it wasn't it wasn't his blood through faith in his blood that made this man whole. It was the name of Jesus. So we went through that. And, and so, you know, you should be able to have an, a, a conversation with uh, other Christians, believers, even people out in the world. Uh, and, and if they're sober minded then you can get your point across. And you'll, you can tell within a, within a few minutes of, okay, this is not going to go anywhere because they're drunk in their mind. I can't get past that, so uh, we've got to move on, right? And so be sober. Putting on the breastplate of faith and love. So uh, in the Ephesians, he called it the breastplate of righteousness, but here he called it the breastplate of faith and love. You remember what Galatians 5, 6 says, that, that faith worketh by love. Amen? And so... Uh, if you get, you've got the breastplate of faith and love, that's pretty good. Uh, and one thing that will help you is, you know, sometimes people will struggle in their faith. It's like, well, Lord, you know, I know I believe you. Uh, and you've gone to a word church, you know, for a while, but I'm just not having any success in my faith. Then you might need to back up just a little bit and check on your, your success of your walking in love, right? Because faith works by love. So sometimes it's not an issue of I need more Bible. I need more word. I need no, more scriptures. Maybe it's I need more love. Uh, and so, again, that, that's for, for you to decide. But, uh, but he said, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. So, you know, the, the helmet of salvation, the helmet is on your, on your head, right? So it's talking about your mind and having your mind renewed. Uh, and you need to have your mind renewed to the hope of salvation. 
so that uh, you don't give up. And in fact, let's turn over to Hebrews chapter 12 and see, because, uh, the, you know, the devil really doesn't have a lot of tools available to him to, to attack you, to get you to, uh, to be defeated. Uh, but the greatest weapon he has is attacking your mind, not to cause you to be insane, but to be not sober. Uh, and so he said here in uh, Hebrews chapter 12, uh, let's just, uh, well, let's just start in verse one. Wherefore, seeing we are also, we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the, endured the cross, despised the shame, and is set at, down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him, so the him there is Jesus, that endured such contradiction of sinners, hatred and hostility of sinners against him, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. So, uh, many times that the, the issue with the Christian is they faint in their minds. In their mind, they say, I just can't do it. I can't make it. Even though technically, according to the word of God, they can make it, right? And technically, according to the word of God, the Bible says they can't be defeated. They can't be overcome. They have the all-powerful armor of God. Uh, so technically speaking, they can never be defeated. But if in their minds, they faint to say, it's just not worth the trouble. It's not worth the fight. Uh, then once the, once the devil gets you in your mind, then he's won the battle because in your mind, if you're defeated, then you're defeated, right? Then I can't overcome, you know, I, I'm going to end up getting sick anyway and die of sickness and disease. I'm just not going to make it. In reality, the armor of God is still in fact, uh, still effective, it's still working, it's still real, it's still powerful. But in your mind, you have fainted. Uh, and, and a lot of times, that's the avenue the devil finds is the most successful is not doing a, a, a frontal attack from you in the spirit realm and he just shows up with, with devils and demons and red pitchforks and red tails and uh, at your door and just knocking on your door to attack you. Uh, you would just use the name of Jesus and, and command them to all leave, right? Uh, if it was that obvious. But he doesn't do that. He starts with a whisper. Well, you know, nobody in the family's ever been successful, so why should you? You know, uh, look at your last name. You got the wrong last name to be in this town to be successful, right? Uh, uh, you know, nobody knows you around here, so there's no way you can be successful. And, you know, you don't have a degree from such, such school, you can't be successful. You don't have a degree at all, you can't be successful. Uh, you know, how many whispers like that do we hear? Uh, and the Bible says, lest you be wearied and faint where? So he's not talking about physically fainting, right? He's not talking about fainting, falling over physically. He's talking about in your mind, you just, I can't do it. I can't be successful. It's too hard. It's too much work. Uh, I, I can't live like he's wanting me to live. And it's not me, it's the word of God. But, you know, sometimes we'll project that onto somebody who's, who's giving the message. Nobody can live that way. It's not, no, you know, no normal person can live that way, you know. Uh, it's easy for him because he's a minister. It's easy for him because he's got a degree. And, you know, I, I remember somebody once said that, that, uh, uh, that I had it easy because I had a degree on the wall, but they had to walk by faith. Uh, and so in their minds, you know, they said they can't be successful uh, or they, 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 they had to walk by faith. And I didn't have to because I have a degree on the wall. Uh, well, number one, that's not true at all. Right. Because how many people do you know have degrees that are complete failures in their life? Right. A degree doesn't guarantee success, doesn't guarantee failure. It's neither here nor there. Uh, but that's someone that, that thinking that if you know that they struggle because they think if they don't have a degree, then they're not going to be successful in this life. And they're trying to compare uh, us to each other, which is also unwise, according to Second uh, Corinthians chapter ten. Uh, but the hope of salvation, you know, you you need to live in hope every day, in a sense that uh, no matter what comes my way, I'm going to be good. See, I live in that hope every day. Doesn't matter what comes in that door, I'm going to be good. Doesn't matter what pandemic comes up, I'm going to be good. Doesn't matter what the economy does. I'm going to be good. I live in that hope every day. Uh, a lot of people are like, oh, I just hope, I, you know, I hope the, this president doesn't matter, Democrat or Republican. I hope this president puts in good economic policies because, you know, we need some of that good economic policies because I can't be successful without those good economic policies that the, that the president is going to enact. Well, then your hope is not in your salvation. Your hope is in whoever's sitting in the White House, right? 
My hope is, I mean, of all places, the last place is going to be is who's ever sitting, sitting in the White House, right? It doesn't matter who's sitting there. Um, and, and so, you know, I don't, uh, I've told you, uh, and, and this is not a, a negative against anybody in particular, but I don't believe anything anybody says. I don't believe any politician. I don't believe any newscast. The only thing I believe is the word of God. And, and whatever somebody says, I take that and judge that according to the word of God. And if it lines up, well, then fine. You know, if it doesn't line up, well, you know, well, you know, times are hard. Not what my Bible says. My Bible says I'm a victor, right? And so I don't believe that uh, because uh, one way that, that all people try to control other people is through fear. They can get you in fear. If you look at, you know, this COVID-19, how much fear has there been? I mean, it's been a, a amazing amount of fear over something that the mortality rate is slightly above uh, 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 the seasonal flu, I think. Uh, and it's like 1%, 2%, right? It's pretty low. Um, I mean, if it was 50%, we might have be a little concerned maybe, right? It's 1% or 2%. I mean, why wouldn't we just take that in stride like anything else that comes along? I mean, you know, we've had other pandemics that were, you know, remember the Ebola scare from for about 10 years ago? And Ebola was a lot more uh, contagious and deadly than coronavirus. Did we, anybody wear a mask at all with Ebola? I mean, was there, was there uh, all hands on deck thing for Ebola? I, I mean, there wasn't, but, uh, and I know it didn't really uh, approach our shores much. It was mostly limited to Africa, but there were some folks that had gotten it here in the States too, and they quarantined them and got a hold of it. Uh, but, uh, and, and that's not to say that, that it's not real. I believe it's real. I believe there's really a COVID-19 virus. You know, I think some people actually don't believe it's real. I believe hundred percent it's real and that it's, it's, people are dying from it and it, and it is tragic, and it is, it is not a good thing to get. Uh, but if you look at how much fear, I mean, the level of fear is just amazing, you know. Even in churches, how many churches are still today not meeting because of fear of COVID, right? Uh, and again, now I'm not everybody's judge, but uh, fear is primarily used to control people. Uh, and the devil always uses fear to get you to stop where you're at and don't move from that point right there. Uh, and so and so what happens a lot of times is the fear gets to such a high level that we faint in our minds. There's no way we could be successful. We're all going to die of this pandemic. Uh, and so is that true? I mean, I thought Psalm 91 says that a thousand should fall on my side, 10,000 my right hand, but it's not going to come near me. Is that what the Psalm 91 says? Is there a footnote that says it'll not come near me unless it's COVID-19 and then all hand, you know, it's just all bets are off, right? It's too bad after that. It doesn't say that, right? And so, uh, so we need to have that hope that, you know, no, no matter what comes my way, what comes towards me in my life, my hope, uh, my biblical hope is I'll be able to take care of it. No problem. You know, sometimes it's annoying that you have to take care of it. Right. And I understand that. But uh, the hope should be it doesn't matter. Uh, I'm an overcomer before it ever comes my way. I'm an overcomer. That's living in the hope of your salvation. Right. And that's really why we need the helmet of salvation to protect our minds because the devil, that's really uh, the only avenue that, or the most successful avenue that he has. Peter calls it a warring against your souls. So there's a war and the primary battleground of the Christian is your mind. It's not in your spirit, man. It's in your mind because your mind is a seat in the, the, the uh, location of your will. And he's got to get your will to be changed in order to be successful in, in uh, battling any Christian. Any Christian whose will is lined up with the will of God can't be defeated at all. Uh, and they live in that, the, the hope of their salvation. So the, the uh, helmet of salvation is very important. And that uh, goes into renewing your mind. You know, Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says to uh, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so if you want to develop a strong helmet of salvation, then what you want to do is have your mind renewed. And all that means is your mind, before you got born again, thought like the world thought. And then after you get born again, the Lord doesn't change your mind. He changes your spirit, man, but he doesn't change your mind. Then as a normal part of your Christian development is you start thinking like the Bible thinks about you and about your life, right? That I can't be defeated. That's thinking like the Bible thinks. Uh, I'm an overcomer. That's thinking like the Bible thinks. Uh, um, I wear the armor of God and it's stronger than every problem I deal with. That's thinking like the Bible thinks. And that's having your mind renewed. If your mind is not renewed, then you'll say, well, you win some, you lose some. You just never know when your time is up. You know, uh, uh, you know, if you're old, you're probably going to get COVID and die. Uh, if you're young, you might make it. 
you know, that's an unrenewed mind, right? Now, that's, now, doesn't the, now, out in the world, that may be what the world's saying. But we have inside information that, that a thousand shall fall at my hand, 10,000 shall fall at my right hand, but it's not going to come nigh me unless I'm over 70. Is that what it says? Unless I'm retired, unless I'm drawing Social Security, and then it's too bad, right? Now, don't go stick your finger in a COVID, you know, bucket somewhere. I'm not saying, you know, tempt God or anything like that. You know, don't go breathe somebody else's mask. Uh, you know, we're not tempting God. You know, that, that's tempting God, right? Well, it doesn't matter what I do, you know. But see, I could go to the hospital and visit people if they would let me. You know, they, they don't still let you really even as a pastor. Uh, but um, I, I could do it. And, and um, if somebody needed me to visit them and they would let me in, I'd go visit them, right? Weren't you afraid? Well, no. I mean, that's part of the work of the ministry is going to go visit people in a hospital, right? Uh, and so, so, you know, we don't tempt God uh, because that would be unsober, right? Well, you know, I just need to prove that, you know, God's going to come through for me. I don't have to prove that God, he already said he would, so why do I got to prove, you know, prove that? Uh, and so, uh, so the, the, the key to the, the uh, helmet of salvation is thinking like the Bible thinks. Uh, and when the, when the helmet of salvation fails, of course, it doesn't fail, but if you fail to use the helmet of salvation, then the result is you will have fainted in your mind. And you will, have, you will be saying things that don't line up with the Word of God. And you'll be expressing ideas that don't line up with the Word of God. That, you know, God put doctors in the, in the world to replace supernatural healing. Well, that's not what the Bible says, you know. That's what man says. Uh, so that's, that's where you fainted in your mind that I can't believe God for supernatural healing. I'm only able to obtain healing through the hands of men uh, and so uh, so uh, we we need to make sure that our minds are renewed and that's really easier than you think it's just every thought that you take the bible says take every thought captive right so every thought that comes into your mind before you uh, choose to believe that you go hang on does this thought line up with the word of god you know a lot of ill will that people have towards other people would be gone if they would say, hang on, does this, uh, does, does this line up with the word of God? You know, I was listening to a testimony that someone was talking about. They'd gone to lunch with Brother Hagen back in the 70s. You know, and back in the 70s was, uh, was really the, the major advancement of the charismatic movement, right? The word of faith churches exploded, right? Uh, Dr. Dufresne said he started his first, in, his first church in Denver in the early 70s and overnight he had a thousand people you know now you don't see that today really starting a brand new church you get a thousand people unless you you know give away like you know ak-47s or something but um uh, and you know i'm not saying all big churches are wrong at all but um uh, but back when the when the movement first started it was really easy to get a thousand people there and uh so there was a lot of there was a lot of um persecution against the word of faith churches and of course brother hagan was kind of the poster child for the word of faith movement you know he'd really his the foundation of his teaching was a big reason why the word of faith movement succeeded as well as it did uh, not because he was a superstar not because he had long hair or just weird or anything and just line upon line you know nothing really um, just you know he didn't give 67 hebrew definitions and talk about the tenses of verbs and he just said here's what the bible says and maybe we ought to believe it right it wasn't, wasn't really that uh, complicated of, of uh of uh, doctrine but it was profound uh but he so he had a lot of a lot of uh other churches speaking against him a lot of movements even even uh, you know he was part of and you don't hear him say this much but he was part of a particular pentecostal denomination and they kind of threw him out because you know uh, uh, he was about faith and a lot of pentecostals were like well you know uh, we got to tarry for the holy spirit anybody remember tarrying right got tarry for the holy spirit some of the pentecostals were tearing for decades right trying to uh, and a lot of pentecostals didn't believe that you could be healed every single time uh and that the will of god was for you to be healed every single time and yet what does the word of god basically say the will of god is to heal every single time there's never an exception uh, and so uh, so he had a lot of people saying i mean publicly saying just unkind things about him and so this minister was out to lunch with him and said brother hagan you know what about that church that's uh, there's one in particular in Los Angeles? You know, I don't know the name of the church, but it was a big church apparently and uh, had a large, large reach and a large uh, uh, influence in the body of Christ. And they were saying publicly, they were saying public things against Brother Hagen and against the Word of Faith movement. 
Uh, it's like kicking a baby seal because, I mean, Brother Hagin never hurt anybody. I mean, never. You know, he was just 70 years, no, no, uh, uh, no uh, uh, any, any kind of scandals or anything in his ministry or marriage or anything. Uh, or in his finances or anywhere. Uh, and so, um, you, know, uh, what, you know, they're saying this about you. They're saying this about you. You know, uh, wh- what do you say about that? You know, what are you going to do about that? And he said, Brother Hagin just paused for a minute. You know, Brother Hagin was always one to uh, think first and speak later. You know, a lot of people get that backwards, right? They, they speak first and think later. But, but he, thought, he thought, uh, thought for a few minutes and he said, uh, he said, yep, yep, yep. He said, I hear that that church, uh, they never have a meeting together without somebody getting born again. Uh, and so he just speak good things about him, right? Uh, and see, that's somebody with a renewed mind that doesn't matter if somebody's saying something against you. Um, you're not to return evil for evil. Yeah, well, I hope their church just burns, you know. Well, and if it does, it's not on me, it's on them, right? Uh, you know, that's somebody who doesn't have a renewed mind. Uh, you know, I, I think we'd be better off to learn Brother Hagin's example. And, yep, yep, yep. Uh, I hear every time that church gets together, somebody gets born again in that church. Now, isn't it a good thing to say, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so, see, he's not going to... Uh, and, and the minister wasn't trying to bait Brother Hagin of saying something evil against the church. He was just, you know, uh, wondering what to do because he wasn't the one getting attacked. It was Brother Hagin, so he wanted to know, you know, how is Brother Hagin dealing with this? And the way Brother Hagin's dealing with it is, I have no enemies. Uh, they may be against me, but I'm not against them. Uh, and, and um, you know, if I can be half the man Brother Hagin was before I, I leave this earth, I'll feel like I'll have accomplished something. And, and um, some people don't like that. But, you know, praise God. Uh, my, my desire for them is for them to figure that out too. Amen? Because <laughs> maybe they can be half the man that I am. I don't know, you know. Uh, and so, uh, so don't faint in your minds. Amen? The devil loves to get in your mind, get you thinking things, get you dwelling on things. The past events occurred, you know. Uh, I remember uh, talking to uh, uh, one person who went through a, a tragic event in her life. It was a terrible event in her life. And I warned him, I said, now be really careful because if you're not careful, you're going to build an altar right here and never move past. You're going to live in this event all the days of your life. And they didn't hear anything I said. They built an altar. It was a beautiful altar. It was big. It was large. It had lots of colors and lots of things on it. Uh, and they never moved in their spiritual life after that event. Once that event occurred, their whole life was defined by that one event. Uh, and it's a tragedy. It's terrible. You know, it doesn't mean that we forget, you know, loved ones. Or it doesn't mean we forget, uh, you know, events that have occurred. But we don't need to stop in our spiritual growth. We can move on. Amen. We're not forgetting uh, the people. We're not making light of them. We're not saying that their memories are not important. But, you know, Brother Hagin died in 2003. I've moved on in the sense that, uh, you know, I'm not just, oh, you know, I just wish Brother Hagin was here. He's not here. So, I mean, I still listen to his messages, uh, but I'm still studying and still reading and still researching and still uh, hopefully adding to uh, the foundation he gave to us. Uh, I'm not just bailing it out, uh, getting rid of it, but I'm not going to say, well, this, is, this, is with the, this was all the revelation we're ever going to get. I think that's not biblical because that would mean that that Brother Hagin stood in a position that he didn't stand in. You know, Brother Hagin was not a foundation apostle. Right? Paul was a foundation apostle. It's Paul's revelation given to him by the Spirit of God that we base a majority of our New Testament faith on. Right? There were other New Testament writers, I know. But Brother Hagin was not a foundation apostle. That means he only had limited revelation. So that means, there's, that, that means that there's other revelation that's out there available to us to obtain if we will pursue it. So I'm not going to build an altar around Brother Hagin and say, well, we can't, we'll never get more revelation than this. That, that would be unbiblical, right? Uh, and so, so the helmet of salvation, very important. Uh, get your minds renewed. Think like the Bible thinks about you. And see, you'll be happy. You know, don't you want to be happy? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I want to be happy. You know, I, I don't like being unhappy. You, know, you do you like being unhappy? Now, some people like being unhappy. They're curmudgeons, you know, just rah, 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 you know, just some people almost, almost enjoy being just, you know, crotchety and just grumpy all the time and, you know, um, Wow, be happy, right? Uh, if your mind is renewed, you can be a happy person, amen? Uh, and so, in the, in the last one here then, uh, in uh, back to Ephesians six seventeen, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Um, and so, uh, we, and we know, we know this verse, uh, we're, in fact, we're in Hebrews, uh, we're still in Hebrews, so let's back over to Hebrews chapter 4. He said that... Um, 
The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is the discerner and the thoughts of the and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So, uh, the word of God. So that's the written word of God, right? Uh, that word uh, word there is the word logos. So it's talking about the written word of God. So the word of God is the sword of the spirit. So of all the weapons that He's given to us, all the armor of God, the sword of the spirit is the only uh, offensive weapon that we have. Um, and so if you want to go on the offensive in your spiritual life, then you need to speak the word of God, uh, declare what the word of God says. Uh, and that's really how you're going to uh, to not only stand your ground like faith will let you do, but take ground from the enemy by the word of God. Uh, and so. The uh, when Paul was writing this and he was looking at um, the the. Uh, the analogy of this Roman soldier with the sword. Uh, I don't know if you know much about the Roman, the Roman army, but their sword was about 18 inches long. Uh, and other armies, their sword sometimes uh, would be re really small, like, a, uh, like one you do uh, fencing with, right? You just, uh, it's called a foil. It's a very small, thin uh, sword. So uh, it, it's usually longer than that, maybe uh, two feet to three feet long. Uh, but it's only sharp at the very end, right? So if you whack somebody with it, it might hurt, but it wouldn't kill them, right? It wouldn't stop them or anything like that. And then you had other armies that had ginormous swords. Sometimes it would take two people to carry the sword and, and you'd have one large guy uh, that would swing the sword. And if it ever made contact, you know, off goes your head, right? I mean, so it was a very powerful sword, but it was very uh, cumbersome and slow. And, uh, and some of the barbarian armies would attack Rome or Rome would go attack them and the Roman soldiers would come with their little 18-inch sword, and they would laugh at the Roman soldiers, like, you know, look at that. But the Roman so sword was a two-edged sword, so that it was, it was actually considered a technological advancement that it was sharp on two sides and on the end, and so it could cut in several different uh, directions, and it was really considered a, a significant advantage in warfare because these guys that had these huge swords before they could swing the sword one time, the Roman soldiers with their swords could attack them and, and have them uh, downed in no time because uh, being lighter and more agile, they could use it much more quickly than, um, than these other swords, and it was a lot more effective. And that was the sword that Paul was reckoning uh, that the Word of God is like, that it's, it's, it's agile, it's very capable, uh, it, it requires uh, control on your part to be able to use effectively, uh, but uh, it was it was the most advanced weapon of its day. And the, the sword of the sword of the spirit is our most advanced weapon that we have. If we know what the word of God says, we can just speak the word only. Remember the centurion told the Lord Jesus said, just speak the word only. And I'm good. I don't need you to come anywhere. I don't need you to go anywhere. I don't need you to, to be at my house. I don't need you to lay hands on nobody. Just speak the word. And that's enough. And so from whatever distance, it was some distance, right? Because he sent, he sent a, a, a team of people to go find Jesus. So we don't know how far away it was, but it was some distance. And that sword of the Spirit was able to just by him speaking, go out into the realm of the Spirit, cross some distance, and affect a healing and a cure in somebody just by speaking the Word. So that's how valuable the Word of God is. And so you need to, uh, it's to your advantage to learn what the Word of God says. And, and, and so it's not... Uh, it's not sufficient for just the minister to know what the Word says. Amen. Uh, hopefully, I'm studying the Word of God. Hopefully, I'm studying the Word of God more. I have more time to do that. That's, that's my call to study the Word of God. But you should all be studying the Word of God, right? You should all be learning what the Word of God says. Uh, you should all be learning what the Word of God says for you personally. Uh, and, and so, because that's your sword. So, if you want to overcome the enemy and have victory over the enemy and advance in your spiritual walk, then the only way that you're going to advance and take ground that the enemy has has set up against you is to use the sword of the spirit. So the shield of faith is defensive. It, it keeps you standing, right? Stand, uh, stand steadfast in the faith, which is great. You don't lose ground, but you're not gaining any ground. So if you want to gain ground on the devil, well, you know, in the past, I've always been like this, but I'm, I'm done being like that. I'm going to be a person who walks in love. I'm going to be a person who doesn't hold grudges against somebody. I'm going to be a person who has no ill will against anyone. 
See, now you're advancing, right? Now you're progressing in your spiritual life. Now the enemy is falling because, you know, the enemy gets you trapped into, you know, a lot of times people will have the mindset of, you know, I'm just unworthy of receiving the blessings of the Lord. Well, you know, you can't change that with just a shield of faith. You're going to have to use a sword of spirit. I'm accepted in the beloved. Uh, I can overcome that. Uh, you know, I told you about that friend of mine that uh, we were going through Bible school together. We finished up the master's program and then you could go into the doctorate program and it took, you know, a few years to go through that. And you had to teach so many classes and write so many papers and that sort of thing. And so I asked him, you know, you're going to you're going to do that. You're eligible just like I am. He said, no. I said, why not? And then he paused and he hesitated. So I knew once he hesitated, there's a, there's a reason. And it's like, no, I'm just not going to. So now now I got to know. Right. Don't you want to know? I mean, once you know, there's a reason you want to know. Uh, and so he wouldn't tell me. Uh, and so finally, I, I berated him enough. You got to tell me. He said, I just don't feel worthy of getting a doctorate degree. Uh, and I said, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Uh, because isn't it the dumbest thing you've ever heard? What's a, how, how is a piece of paper more valuable than you as a human being? It's just a piece of paper. I mean, that's really all it is, right? I mean, there's no, no inherent value of the paper that it's printed on. Uh, you know, if it costs 60 cents to print that piece of paper, then that's really the whole value of that degree is it's just 60 cents, right? Now, we, I got it mine in nice frames. It cost me a little bit more than 60 cents, but still. Uh, what's the problem? See, he's just standing still. He's not advancing his spiritual life. He should have said, bless God, I'm a child of God. No piece of paper is more worthy than than the child of God washed in the blood of Jesus. I'm going to go get that degree. Uh, That would be advancing, right? That's moving forward. That's progressing in your spiritual life. A lot of Christians just tread water all their life and never progress. And they never progress, but they can never use the word of God to say, this area of my life, it's a real problem. I'm going to overcome that. Uh, you know, and I, I told you the one time that uh, I remember Brother Hagen saying it, uh, it was a cassette message. And, and he said, I never have an ill will about anybody. And, uh, you know, no doubt I've heard him say that uh, plenty of times before. But but this was uh, before we got married. I still had my Mustang. Remember my, my little Mustang 2, 1974 Mustang 2 Gia, you know, six cylinder German built engine, straight shift and a little crank sunroof on it. You know, had sheepskin covers on the front seats, you know which were terrible, but Chris, you know, I loved them. Chris didn't like them at all. She thought they were gross, uh, and they probably weren't even real sheepskin. I don't know. Maybe they were, but um, uh, I don't remember now. But, um, but nevertheless, he said that in, in the car. And, and, I, and I thought, uh, and I said these words. I said, someday I'm going to be able to say that. So I'm going to use them on a sword. I'm going to, because I wasn't that person. I was a person, you say something against me, man, you're on the list. You know, I carried a big list with me everywhere I went. And don't get on my list, because if you're on my list, you're dead to me, right? That's the way I was raised. I don't know if you was raised that way, you know. I was raised that way. You say something against me or my family, you're dead to me. That's it. Well, the, a lot of people, did, they, they will stay that person all their life. So the seal of faith won't change that. Helmet of salvation won't change that. It's going to take the sword of the Spirit. And you saying, I will not be that person. I will be the person who walks in love. You say something against me, yep, yep, yep. I heard that person is a very kind person to their family. Yep, yep, yep. I heard that person's very faithful to their church. Yep, yep, yep. I heard that person loves their mother and father very much and will do anything for them. Yep, yep, yep. That person mows their grass every day. Uh, instead of saying, well, I hope to get some, you know, get them, Lord. See, uh, the, the, the evil heart, right? So you're never going to overcome that unless you use the sword of the Spirit. You're going to have to use the sword of the Spirit. If you want to change the person you are and become the person you desire to be, it will only happen by you using the sword of the Spirit. And you will have to say out of your own mouth, I will be what the word of God says that I can be. Uh, you remember uh, John Osteen used to have people raise their Bible up. And he said, this is my Bible. He said, I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. And I can have what it says I can have. Was it those three things that he would say, right? Uh, I can be what it says I can be. See, that's using the sword of the spirit, right? Uh, and, and I'm always looking for the word of God. If I, and I'm looking for anything that I'm not. If it says that, you know, uh, that I never hold, if the Bible says uh, love holds no ill towards his neighbor, then I'm going to declare with the sword of the spirit, I will be the person who never holds ill will against anybody. Uh, and, you know, Brother Hagen was my example in that, but he just got it from the words. So it wasn't like he didn't, he didn't write it. The, uh, Romans 13 wrote it, right? Uh, and so get your sword of the spirit, sharpen it every day. When you see the word of God and you see that you're not that, and you should be seeing that probably on a regular basis because do any of us look like the Lord Jesus yet? Last time I checked, nobody looks like the Lord Jesus. You'd be 
You need to be going home and reading that Bible going, that's me, Lord. Uh, and there have been times when I'll read a Bible verse and I'll say, Lord, I am so far from this verse. I mean, I see, I see this verse, but, but Lord, when I see where I am compared to this verse, I am so far from that verse. So you know what I do? I get that sword of the spirit out. And I say, Lord, I am that person. I am whatever this, I am a sober-minded Christian. I think soberly. I think like the Bible thinks. Uh, 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 a thousand shall fall in my hand, 10,000 are in my hand, but it's not going to come near me. I am on the offensive on a regular basis with the sword of the Spirit. So if you don't want to advance in your life, don't use the sword of the Spirit, right? Don't uh, say things like, well, you know, nobody can live that way. That's keeping the sword of the Spirit in a rusty sheath, right? Which just never gets used, never gets sharpened, just sits there and never get, you know, after a while you can't even pull it out. You know, you ever seen trying to get a, a, a sword out of a sheath, something that's been stuck, it won't move, right? It's like, you know, it needs to come out, but it, it hadn't been pulled out in so long, right? Pull it out, dust it off, sharpen it up, uh, declare uh, thou what the word says about you and say that I am that person. Uh, and see, that's using the sword of the spirit. And, and so uh, when the enemy comes against you, you just, you just repeat the word of God. It says, you know, when he says, you're unworthy to, to, to get a piece of paper, You'd be like, I'm a child of the living God. How could I be unworthy to receive a piece of paper? A king died on my behalf. That means I have to be special. He said, I'm accepted in the beloved. A piece of paper is not more worthy than being accepted in the beloved. See, that's you using the sword of the spirit. Amen. Uh, instead of just going, oh, you're right. I'm unworthy. Blah, 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 blah. You know, I, I have no time for foolishness like that. That is somebody who is not sober minded at all. It's somebody who's drunk in their mind thinking that somehow... This piece of paper from a dead tree is, is more valuable than them as a child of the most high God. Uh, and, and that's not me thinking more highly of themselves than I'm ought to. I mean, it's really it'd be hard for you to think more highly of yourself than you ought to if you really know who you are. I'm seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. How much higher can I get than that? Yeah. I mean, now if I say I'm more worthy to be worshipped than the Lord Jesus, well, then that's, you know, thinking more highly of myself than I ought to, right? And some people think that I'm so worthy. I'm so special. I can't hardly stand myself. Well, neither can anybody else, right? Uh, and so uh, it's uh, um, uh, so the sword of the spirit, very uh, if you want to advance in your spiritual life, you ever felt like you haven't moved anywhere in your spiritual life? Lord, I'm the same person today. I was five years ago. Only one issue. You're using the sword of the spirit. Lack of use. Right. If you're the same person you were a year ago, you're not speaking the word over your life. If you're, if you're the same person uh, from five years ago, you're in big trouble. Right. <laughs> we need to we need you to do better than that. Right. See, I don't want to be the same person a year from that I am today. I want to be better. I want to get better with age. You know, uh, Dr. Dufresne used to talk about how uh, he, he would met, meet so many ministers and as they would get older in life, they'd get grumpier, meaner, and more, you know, more difficult to work with. And just, you know, he said that being uh, even not ministers, but even older people, they get in the nursing homes screaming at the nurses, you know, and mad about everything. And well, what's wrong with that person? They never use the sword of the spirit, never advance in their spiritual life. Amen. So, but you can do it, can't you? I mean, he gave it to us. But unless you use it, it will, it will not advance your life. You want to advance in your life? Find out what the Word of God says about you. Declare it every day, right? And I don't mean every single day in a religious way. I just mean if it rises up in you. And, and it just, for me personally, it just rises up in me all the time. Lord, you're a big God. You're bigger than all the problems of the world. Lord, you and me can accomplish anything that we need to in this life. Uh, and that's the sword of the Spirit. You're just using, you're sharpening it. You're learning how, how the balance of it works. You're learning how to hold it just right. Uh, you know, somebody who's unskilled in, in swordsmanship, you know, uh, an expert can come and just, you know, they can flick their sword and, and suddenly their sword's gone out of their hand. You ever seen those TV shows, right? They can just flick their wrist and, and their sword's gone. Well, why is that? Because the, the user of the sword is unskilled in the word of God, unskilled in what the word says about them. The devil can just say, remember with Eve, right? Hath God said? And what did Eve say? God said, don't eat of it, nor touch it. What did the Lord ever say? Don't touch the tree. He never said, don't touch the tree. So what was Eve's problem? Her sword was there, but she was holding it from the wrong end. And, and the devil just made a fool of her, right? Just, uh, and how many times people say things, well, you know, the Bible says that God loves those who help themselves, right? That's what the Bible says, you know. Uh, well, you know, uh, the Bible actually doesn't say that, right? That's Ben Franklin said that, right? Uh, and so, uh, but people will say things like that, well, well, you know, the Bible says that God won't put on you any more than you can bear. You know, the Bible actually doesn't say that either, right? That's what Grandma says, right? 
not all grandmas, you know, if you have a good grandma, she doesn't say that. But, uh, you know, some grandmas are here say that, right? Uh, it, well, you know, God won't put on you more than you can bear. That's not Bible either, right? Uh, he said he won't allow you to be tempted more than you can bear. So he's the one who put the constraints on it from being overbearing, right? He's not putting it on you to begin with, right? The people's implication saying that it was God's putting the burden on you. And what did, he, what did God say about his burdens? His yoke is easy and his burden is what? So that's the sort of the spirit. If you're just under heavy, just weighted down, you stand up and declare, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. I have no cares of this world. I am carefree. I'm happy. I have no pressure in my life. The Lord is my, is my savior and my shield and my buckler. See, that's you uh, just whittling away all those cares and worries, right? Oh, you just can't get rid of the cares of this world. Well, what did, what's the result of the cares of this world? What did, what did the parable of the soil say? That the cares of the world does what? Chokes out the word, right? The cares of the world are there to... Uh, you ever tried to... Uh, 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 you know, sometimes we go through, you know, the, 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 the woods and stuff, you know, and you're trying to get through the woods and you get up to a bunch of uh, blackberry bushes and you ever try to make your way through a bunch of blackberry bushes and they got thorns and they... You know, you can't get through them, right? They're all tangled up. And you can't, if you had a sword in a machete in your middle, you can't, you can't swing it because you're, you're engulfed in those, in those thorns and thistles. You'd have to step back and get, it, get, get to where you could actually swing at them to, to cut them down. But that's, those cares of the world will choke the word. It'll get to where you try to get that, that, that sword out and you're tangled up in these cares of this world. That's where you have to just stand up and say, I am carefree. I cast all my cares upon the Lord because he cares for me. See, that's the sword of the spirit. Amen. And you, and you really ought to get to comfortable in declaring the word of God over your life on a regular basis. Right. Not in fear. Just I just say it like it's real. I say it like it, no, it's not going to come near me. Amen. And so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. Father, we thank you for the sword of the spirit. And all the armor of God, Father, that you've given to us. It's all of it combined is powerful and strong, Father, and cannot be defeated. And it cannot be overcome. We are children of the Most High God. Army of the living God, Father. You're our captain. Captain of the host, Father. You lead us into battle, Father. With sure and consistent victory. And Father, we cannot be defeated in this life. No devil can defeat us. No person can defeat us. No thought can defeat us, Father. No economy, no sickness and disease. No virus, Father. Nothing can stand against the armor of the living God. And Father, we wear the armor of God each and every day. We thank you for victory, Father. We thank you that we can overcome. We will have no ill thoughts towards anyone. We will think only the best thoughts. You said that love always thinks the best of every person. So, Father, we choose to live that way. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, I preach myself happy. I'm just all excited. I'm going to go in... Uh, uh, use a sword for something, right? Go cut something down, amen? Uh, and so let's get ready to receive this evening's offering and um, say hi to all of our Facebook friends and uh, Vimeo friends and all the friends we see online, amen? Uh, and um, uh, hopefully uh, we'll just uh, uh, continue growing that and more people get to, get to see it, Amen. Uh, and if you ever need any details about any of that, about how to access it, you know, always let us know. We'll be glad to let you know how to do that. So come ahead, Mr. Jared. And you don't have to actually have a Facebook account to do that because some of the folks who watch us don't have a Facebook account. Um, there's like three people in the world, I think, that are left that don't have one. But uh, those three, you know, at least one of those are watching on, on, uh, directly on Vimeo. So you can get on that other website, Vimeo.com, and watch it uh, directly on there if you, do, if you choose or don't want to have a Facebook account. No problem. It's not a, not a uh, ethical issue at all, right? It's just a decision. Uh, and so, but if you have Facebook, you can watch us on Facebook as well. And also, you can go back and watch the archives on Facebook if you want to as well, or on the other the website uh, as well if you need to do that. So, don't forget Friday night prayer service, and uh, Sunday will be our church meal and our business meeting. So, you have a wonderful week, and you're dismissed. <laughs>